This is the Business Breakfast with Oanda. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. So let's join Craig Earlham, Senior Market Analyst at Oanda, to look at what's making the morning headlines. Good morning, Craig. Good morning. The vice presidential debate doesn't usually attract much attention, but the VP face-off between Mike Pence and Kamala Harris has been, I think, watched by millions. Did either candidate land a a zinger or or was it more of a goalless draw? It was probably a goalless draw. Um, it, what it didn't, it was far more cordial than uh, than the last uh, than the presidential debate, which I'm sure people will be relieved about. But then there wasn't really anything to take away. I think both candidates dodged questions they didn't want to answer, uh, and that made it really difficult to to take anything significant away. And I don't think there was really a killer blow uh, from either side. Uh, even references to the handling of coronavirus or packing the Supreme Court, these types of things. I just it wasn't anything we haven't heard before uh, uh, so there was nothing there, were, there wasn't really anything to catch the other person out and make them look too terrible so but then uh, I think as we said after the presidential debate if this was a close fight then you'd wonder what either side has gained but when you look in a situation where Biden is leading so heavily in the polls and that lead if anything is extended over the course of the last week or two then Kamala Harris will probably come away from this feeling like she's secured a victory because her only job really going into this debate wasn't necessarily to to lengthen the lead it was just to protect it and I think I can't imagine that anything has come from this event that would change that. If anything, the thing that you, the, the thing that's been reported most on is the fly that spent a fair amount of time on, uh, on Mike Pence's head. So when a fly has stolen the show, it would suggest that there wasn't really too much else to take away. Over two minutes, it was on uh, the vice president's head, and uh, I'm sure he's not particularly happy about that. Obviously, he wasn't aware of it, and there must have been many of his associates watching on and thinking, for God's sake, Mike, just swap that thing off. And it didn't happen. Can you imagine spending all of that time, all that preparation, uh, all of the build-up, everything that goes into these vice presidential debates and you walk away and say, right, what's the key takeaway? And someone has to turn around to you and say, well, unfortunately, it was a fly that landed on your head. And you're you, what? What fly? It's, it's, not, it's not ideal. But I guess maybe, maybe this is why people don't really pay attention to vice presidential debates after all. This is obviously a unique situation. Now, if I'm not mistaken, whoever wins the, the White House uh, next month will will become the oldest uh, president in in US history so that's the reason why this vice presidential debate attracted so much attention because there's hopefully not a reasonable chance but there is a, there is more of a chance than you arguably have seen before uh, that one of these people could be called into office uh, especially when you consider Trump's health now in, in the aftermath of the covid um positive test the, there's there's a lot more emphasis on it but as i say it, it turned out to be kind of much about nothing there wasn't and there wasn't any killer blows there was um there was no outstanding performance uh, and that means that the chances are in 24 48 hours the polls are going to pretty much reflect exactly what they did 24 48 hours ago yeah i mean kamala harris did did pretty well actually overall and as you said the important thing was that she didn't make any mistakes or come across as inexperienced or or, or even dangerous because you know we have biden and harris accused by those on the right of being uh, socialists or extreme left or you know unpatriotic but she didn't come across like that well this is also one of the things that can frustrate people about these debates is this meant to be an opportunity to 
push questions onto these people and get them to give you an answer to what to what they they've avoided in the past but when both candidates are choosing to just not answer questions which are put to them the uncomfortable questions then you it does beg the question what is the actual point of these debates if you're not going to get answers to the questions that you want answers to and they're just going to be quite easily dodged and the talking points uh, navigated something that they want to cover and then you move on to the next subject it, it, it can be quite a frustrating affair and I think that's probably one of, going to be one of the key takeaways flies aside yeah I totally agree I watched about half the debate um, and that happened a lot a question was asked and they just answered with a completely different answer for a completely different question uh, let's move to this side of the Atlantic Craig and the big story is the new restrictions imposed in Scotland and more to come for the north of England next week and that is going to hit many businesses so um, there are going to be quite a few worried people out there employers and employees uh, thinking well not only you know is my business going to struggle but can my business continue yeah, the, the government has come under quite a lot of pressure over its handling of this crisis throughout, let's face it. Uh, but more recently, the, the, there seems to be a lot more emphasis on not closing down the economy unless it's absolutely necessary. And it, it the government is obviously trying to trying to cut this off as early as possible to prevent the kind of rise that we've seen previously. And it's hard to compare this uh, situation now to what we had back in March, April time, especially as far as cases are concerned, because there is more testing, but then there is also uh, better, um, there is also better drugs, etc., available to enable to, tr uh, to help treat people who do become more seriously ill. Uh, but you obviously don't want to wait for the death toll to spike to the levels that we saw earlier this year before you start to respond. So it's an extremely difficult situation. But uh, I think the there is becoming the the government is going to become under increasing scrutiny if they continue to shut the economy uh, and there isn't necessarily the evidence that support what they're doing we've spoken about this before with the the, the pub licensing uh, with forcing pubs and restaurants to close at 10 p.m the allegation that well, there's, there's no actual evidence to back this up. This seems to be something that's almost kind of plucked out of thin air. And while you can understand the logic behind it, and we've all been in pubs after 10 p.m. and we all know what it is like in these, uh, if you're going to make a if you're going to make a decision which is going to have such a devastating impact on a business, you better have the data to back it up because otherwise you are going to leave yourself open to uh, to this kind of criticism. And at the same time, when your track and trace system has been heavily criticised, the issues with the new app and spreadsheets, it, it does feel like the government is making um, it's leaving it itself in a very vulnerable position time after time after time uh, we can only hope that going into the final months of the year when this is not going to get any better if anything it's going to get worse uh, you can only hope that we do become better prepared uh, for what's to come because unfortunately the the, the environment we're going into is uh, much le le leaves us much more susceptible to another spike uh, or to a continued spike uh, we should say and uh, the, the handling of that is going to be crucial. We've had a new warning from the Office for Budget Responsibility Chief uh, Richard Hughes. He says that uh, ballooning government debt means the UK is increasingly exposed to the risk of rising interest rates in the coming years and, and decades. And he said he told MPs that the government shouldn't rely on borrowing costs staying at record lows forever when drawing up tax and spending plans. We have had this a decade or more now of uh, historically low interest rates. It's almost as if it's always going to be like this, but there will be a point where things turn. 
there will be a point, but it won't be anytime soon. Uh, and I know that that doesn't really matter as far as government borrowing is concerned. If they're borrowing over 10, 20 years, then that then that's the kind of that's the kind of period into the future where you have to be looking rather than for the next three to five years. But then it, we, we also do get conflicting views. Um, you, you hear views that too much is better than too little at this point in time. Uh, you see the pressure that the, the Fed chair, Jerome Powell, in the US is putting on the US government, uh, effectively saying you can't overdo this. Uh, so it, the, the severity of the situation means that sometimes you have to put short-term measures in, in place that come at a longer-term cost and that you have to worry about, not worry about the longer-term cost in the future per se, but you have to accept that that is something that can be managed in the future. Uh, and it's not something that we should be too apprehensive about now, and it's not something that should that, that, that should convince us that we don't put the measures in place, and that includes borrowing when the entire world is doing the same thing. It has to surely give you the, the, the at least give you the feeling, give you the impression that what you're doing is correct. And if you want to prevent double-digit unemployment, then these measures are unfortunately just necessary. And this is just a one-off freak scenario that demands such an enormous amount of government intervention. We've never lived through anything like this in terms of uh, in terms of the, the kind of intervention that the government has had to make. And hopefully we will never see it for the rest of our lifetimes. Uh, and I think that really has to be borne in mind. It's almost easy to underplay the significance of the situation that we're going through. We've lived through this now for the last seven months. And it's easy to forget just how unique and how devastating and how um, uh, and how serious this situation is, both in terms of people's health, but also the economic consequences of it as well. This is nothing like anything that I've lived through in my lifetime. And uh, and, and you're, you're the same and it would hopefully some, nothing like anything we'll live through again. So finally, Craig, what should we look out for for the rest of today? Anything coming out later on? Well, I think we should probably just simplify this segment in the future and just say, just look at Trump's Twitter account and close everything else because it seems to be that seems to be the source of stock market volatility at this point in time, whether he is calling off uh, negotiations over the, the stimulus bill in Congress, whether he is going on these enormous uh, rants, whether he's talking about flu again and comparing uh, comparing uh, flu and coronavirus. Um, the, these things are really grabbing the market's attention or whether he's then five hours after calling off talks uh, in Congress uh, over the stimulus bill and saying, but we could do a bit more piecemeal approach uh, in terms of supporting airlines, etc., which then makes the markets do a complete U-turn again uh, because it suggests that we could get actual uh, support here and uh, paycheck support, etc. It, it's, everything seems to just be coming from the president's Twitter account, which is becoming um, more magnified, but also th- this seems to be coming far more active even, as, even by uh, President Trump's own standards. Uh, so in, in many ways, with three weeks here to the election, there's going to you, you are going to hear a lot more about his tweeting, uh, uh, which is strange to say, given how much we already hear about it. That aside, um, there is some more mediocre events. You've got we will hear from Andrew Bailey, the Bank of England governor today. He, he is speaking uh, at an event alongside a couple of other central bankers. I don't really expect too much from that, to be quite honest. We hear, we've heard a lot from uh, from the Bank of England over the course of the last month or so, and there's nothing really new that we've heard. We do still expect to be an increase in QE maybe later this year maybe very early next year but uh, I don't think this is going to be the platform for him to announce anything like that and negative interest rates have been talked about again and again and again but we don't seem to be any closer the other thing is the ECB minutes uh, that will uh, they'll be released around midday UK time but again 
the, the event itself was dominated by the ECB's views on uh, uh, on FX movements and policymakers sought to clarify their point in the days that followed the meeting. So it doesn't really feel like anything needs to be cleared up into, uh, on that stance. So I don't think there'll be anything great to come from the meeting. It was interesting that at the time we thought they may lay the groundwork for more stimulus later this year. They didn't do that. If the minutes go the other way and actually fall in line with what we were expecting, then that could have a market impact. But given the reluctance to indicate that in the aftermath of the meeting and during the meeting itself uh, i i i'd be very surprised if that happened so instead it'll be all eyes on the next meeting but that seems to be often the case now with these minutes by the time they're actually released they're, they're just basically old news and i think that's probably going to be the case as far as the ecb is concerned today so i think everything is going to be about the presidential election continue today there'll be more uh, commentary on the vice presidential debate uh, although, like, as, as we've already talked about, there may not be an enormous takeaway from it. And uh, the president's Twitter account, ultimately, I think that's going to be the key thing. OK, Craig, have a good day and we'll speak to you soon. Speak to you soon. This is the Business Breakfast with Oanda. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. Oh.